This is More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is made up of more than your job title. Each week, I'll talk to a guest about how they discovered that for themselves. You'll hear about what they did, what they're doing, and who they are. I'm your host, Rabia. I work in IT, perform stand-up comedy, write, volunteer, and, of course, podcast. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Hey everyone, so today my guest is Christopher Kenna. He is founder and CEO of North America at Brand Advance Group, and we met because we were both speaking at, at an event here in London, but thanks for being on More Than Work, Chris. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited we get to talk because I think I really enjoyed your speech a lot. I've told you that before, but first of all, where am I chatting to you from? I'm in London at the moment. I know you've just announced me as like CEO of North America, and then I'm like, oh, I'm in London. But I'm going back. I'm on a flight tomorrow back to New York, so I'm normally based out there, but yeah. Yeah. Now London, obviously. And your company. Cool. And your company's in both. So we're, we're in different places around the world, across, across Europe and in North America and in India as well, so we're quite spread out and, and growing, which is always good for a company, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, no, that well, that is good. I mean, that's what you want, but I know it can be a lot for someone who's leading the company, yeah, that's for is. sure. Yeah, 100%. It's, it's fantastic and horrible and fantastic and horrible all in one day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I guess the first thing, I just, I was very, I would say both intrigued and inspired by your story, like that I heard when, when we met. And we both were sharing very personal things at that event actually i certainly was talking about things i don't normally talk about and i think you were talked about things like very bluntly too but the result is you now you know having the brand advance group why don't we just start from like earlier in your life maybe and just kind of how you grew up and what shaped you caring about what you care about now which is i think DEI, which is very important, and but inclusion of a lot of different people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, a childhood that was, it wasn't a bad childhood, it was good, but see me have spells in different children's homes and stuff like that as well. And then joining the army when I was young, being in the army for just 10 years, having two kids within that time with my ex, now ex-wife, and, you know, both kids as well. One is white and one is mixed race. You know, so seeing life, Jerome and his sister, seeing life, treat them different, having the unprivileged of myself being black, coming from council estate background, being in care, mm -hmm. just made me see the world a little bit different, maybe from other people. And then you know, skip forwards to now being in advertising. I couldn't understand why we still get checked different as consumers are a different self-importance due to race, religion, sexual orientation, different abilities. How often I would see someone that looks like me or my son on a screen in a TV ad compared to how often I would see someone that looked like my blonde-haired, blue-eyed daughter, which was very often, you know? So... Yeah. Yeah, it's that's really that 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 inequality within this industry is what spurred brand advance and basically built the company to make people see more of my son, to, to, to see more of their sons, to see more of everyone's sons, daughters and non binary kids from different communities to make sure that advertising was just done correctly, you know. It's I know 
there's a lot of buzzwords like DEI and, and culture marketing and responsible media and whatever else acronyms that are chucked in between them as well, you know, because our industry really loves an acronym. It's, <laughs> I, they do, don't they? they? It just, all of that actually is just marketing. You know, you're either doing marketing well, you're including everyone that could possibly buy your product, or you're not. You're excluding some because you're not buying their media. You're excluding some because you're not showing them in your ads. You're excluding some with keyword block lists and calling it brand safety. It started with me and that problem. I am going to try to do my bit to sort this out so that my kids can be treated equal by media and advertising. And then it's spread out, you know, we have a fantastic CEO here in Europe now. I'm in New York, I'm over there leading the North American operation. And there's lots of fantastic people from these communities, whether it's communities related to their race, their religion, their sexual orientation, their different abilities, their, their, mm -hmm. whatever that might be, their gender. We're an ever-growing group of people, a growing group of badasses, let's say what it really is not calling myself a badass, that would be a little bit cocky, but saying the rest of the team are, <laughs> but just to try to make a make it do it different. Show clients that you can you can do a marketing campaign that has a black family in it and stick it in black media or on TV that's owned and operated by people from that community. You know, and not only are you going to get more consumers and grow your brand and, and sell more products, but actually you are also going to help that community. A black old brand feeds black babies, you know, like that's, mm. like that's the, the truth of it. Or we, or we can understand people better, you know, pe people that have a different abilities that might not function the same as you. The only reason you can fear it is because you don't understand it. Where advertising can bring that to the forefront, make it not mm -hmm. a difference, but just a different ability rather than an actual full on blown difference. That person, you know, and using, I don't like, you'll notice, I don't like words like disability. I think it sounds negative from the beginning. You know, it's mm -hmm. a different ability, just different. So yeah, that's, that's what we're about. That's where the fire came from, from myself and, and I'm, really fortunate to have people come on the journey with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, what was interesting in, in listening to you talk and then listening to you talk now, of course, too, is just that I guess I grew up in a, you know, I'm, I'm white, so that's pretty clear. I mean, <laughs> maybe not and on the podcast, I, it's not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sometimes I mean, clear I'm a woman on the podcast. My voice is a little deep, but but also like I, you know, I'm I'm actually half Lebanese, but I don't look, I look, well, I mean, some Lebanese people look like me, I guess, but I don't look different to that. So I always saw people like me on TV, right? Yeah. More or less. And I think what's interesting is like, I'll hear people say, they'll call out now, especially with like the LGBTQ plus community and stuff like, why are the, why does, do you always have to see these people in ads now? Like, that's what I've heard some people say. And then, yeah, if you see people of color, they're black people or other people, you know, or interracial mixed race couples. Some people will comment on that, like, because that's, they yeah. are, they're like afraid of her, it's not their world or whatever. But you're saying it is important because someone's seeing themselves on TV or wherever they're seeing them. I totally agree. Can you talk a little bit about what the impact is of not seeing that? Because you definitely didn't probably see that as a kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, as with anybody or anything, you can't be what you can't see. 
if all that is pumped out into the world around you is a negative connotation of you, me as a black man, me as a person from a certain socioeconomic group, me as a person from care, you know, and the impacts of that still last now. I was literally talking about it earlier, actually. I have privilege now. I will for, forever have the unprivileged in some people's eyes. To me, it's an absolute superpower, and I love, I love the tone of my skin. That's me. I love it. You know, and my kids and the people around me that I work in, you know, with their beautiful, beautifulness from their culture and um, what you can see. But for others, or to others, the colour of my skin is an unprivilege for me because of the way that they will treat me, because of the preconceptions they will have the second that I walk into a room, you know. It still happens now. I am a privileged guy. I, you know, running an international company. I live in New York and in Canary Wharf in the UK. I have an apartment that's very high up in a skyscraper. But every time I get in the bloody lift to go up to my very nice apartment at the top of the skyscraper, mm-hmm. if somebody stood next to me, they will move their bag to the other side of their body. Happens all the bloody time. Do you know what I mean? Still happens yeah. now. Even with all my privilege that I pulled up in an Audi R8, I'm really blowing smoke up my backside here, but I'm setting the picture. I always wanted one and then I got one. But, you know, even with all that, you know, and then and then I've got my son, Kyra, I do not have to have these conversations with Kyra or and, and people that have the, the privilege of having different children that look different as well. There's one thing, a conversation that nobody, that Kyra's mum will never have to have, have with Kyra is, you know, the unprivileged of her being white. Mm-hmm. With Jerome, he's just turned 18. You know, and I've had the conversation a few times with him now, which is even with all this privilege that your dad's going to pass on, you'll have money, we'll be able to get you your house, you'll be able to get a car, and you've got a job if you want one, or I could definitely help you to, to fund your further education so that you can go and do whatever you want. You'll have nice clothes and you'll be able to go nice places. Even with all that privilege, son, you're still a black man. So if the police mm-hmm. pull you, you shut up. If you're in the U.S., you stick your hands on the car and you don't move until they tell you you can move. If you're in the UK, it doesn't matter who, which friends are around you, they are going to speak to you, you know, especially if you're with mm-hmm. your white friends. It's just going to happen. You will get stopped and searched at some point. You will get in lifts and people will move their bags. You will go to Selfridges and you might have more money than all of your friends put together, but they will follow you around the shop. I think the impact People that don't live it will never understand it. And I don't know, do we need them to understand it? Not really. But do we need everybody to do their bit, whether you're a media planner, whether you're a creative director or a casting director for adverts, whether you're, you know, whether you work anywhere in any sphere, not just the one I work in, the industry I work in. We just need everybody to do their bit, you know, and that's what we, that's mm-hmm. what we do. We help. We do our bit. We help clients do their bit. And so anybody that says, oh, we're seeing too many LGBTQ plus people in ads, like you said, you know, then I would say to them, when was the last time that they were going on holiday and they had to check whether they could be killed or locked up if they go to that Mm. country? When was the last Mm. time that they had to fear when they left their house? that if you walk too close to your partner, you could be beat up or even killed. 
You know, there are 25 million transgender people in the world. They are in some places, unfortunately, like Brazil and Argentina. Transgender people are killed every day on the street just mm. just because they felt trapped in a different body. You might say this, oh, there's too, too many people. Oh, do you remember that Sainsbury's ad that had the black family at Christmas and Twitter blew up with people going, why don't they have a normal family instead of a black family? I'm sorry, who are, you know, the, the, the thousands of people that wrote that on, have they worked in this country? Have they worked? Like the census has just come out and it's just told us Leicester, minority white, Birmingham, minority white, London, mm -hmm. 300 languages and, and, you know, different ethnicities. Where are you looking if you think a black family is not a normal family? And the fact yeah. that this, this still is written on Twitter means that we need more brands to put these families on TV. There's not too much. There can never be too much happiness on your screen. There can never be too much light pumping through adverts into your living room. That's not possible. And you can never learn too much about different cultures. And if advertising mm -hmm. can bring that, if they can bring that light, bring them communities and help us learn, then by all means, keep pumping them out. Keep, keep putting these people in people's living rooms. And the ones that really don't like it or think it's too much, I think it's disgusting. Turn off your telly. You save some electricity, actually, and save the world. So turn it off. Don't look. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, no, I agree. And it's, it's really... I don't know. It fascinates me. And especially over here. So I'm American. I live in London. And I think in America, we thought our racism was special in a way. And like, oh, they don't have that. But no, it's here, too, yeah. for sure. Yeah. And it's it's almost in a it's in a different way because the people are more passive, quite honestly. So they're just like Brexit. I mean, probably don't want to get too much into that. But that didn't really, yeah, you yeah. know, serve whatever purpose that they were pretending it was. It was really just to kind of, I don't know, get, get people, some people out, you yeah. know, I think it's good to have people like you who are trying to do something to help change it. And part of that's probably educating. And I have a couple of questions just around either thoughts I've had or thoughts I've read or something like the whole, the whole idea of washing, like, so there's eco washing, of course, but there's also like, I don't know what the right term is, but like during pride month, they'll wash everything with a rainbow and then yeah, maybe during black history month right they'll every the, oh all of a sudden it's like even like it was just martin luther king jr day i think yeah this past week and oh let's have a you know let's have a sale like because yeah. that was the whole point right the civil rights leader is murdered let's have a sale on furniture right i just want to talk to you a little bit about that but i don't know the exact question i want to ask but just like maybe what's the difference between what brands do when they're doing it in a positive way versus doing it in that way. You know, I have a double answer. So yes, there is pig washing. Yes, it was Martin Luther King Day and, you know, a furniture sale being pushed on the Martin Luther King, Martin Luther King Day. It's just like, well, eh. But I, I would say brands that are just showing up in these cultural moments, let's call them, I don't want them to not show up. So, you know, I'm not going to spend the next 10 minutes bashing them because... I would prefer them to show up one day than none at all. Um, yeah. But if they want authenticity, if they are going to stick anywhere in their CSR, if they're going to announce it on the news or in the literature they give to their, to their employees, that they want to be authentic, 
then you've got to keep showing up. You can't just come at pride, you know, because gay or lesbian or transgender people, they don't, they're not just that way for a week or a month. It is mm. their life. They were born that way. It is, in their, you know, this black doesn't wash off. So Black History Month, it's not, it's not just for, you know, and I, I have the, it's a privilege to be now out gay black guy, you know, um, and, and I've had the ultimate privilege of sort of two lives, you know, one married with my kids, you know, my, my ex is, is a really good friend, I love it a bit, so as well, you know, and we're really close and we have a good relationship, right? you know, yeah. why not, you evolve, you know, and so, yeah, I think if you want to be authentic, Authenticity, you cannot hire authenticity, you cannot buy it. There's no PR company that can give you it. And there's no stunt that makes you authentic. It's just showing up day after day, week after week, year after year, and saying we are here and we are we support. And that might be by buying LGBT media throughout the year, as well as doing your, your pride cake sale in your office. Or, do you know what I mean? Or, or, yeah. or by allowing your staff to go on some of the marches in their local areas. Or, mm. or just by depicting, if you're an ad agency, by making sure that there is option for some clients, should they want, to be able to make LGBTQ plus ads, tell the stories, that your staff feel welcome each day uh, and, and don't you know, feel that they have to go in the closet to come to work. All of these things, mm. but authenticity just comes from keep doing it over and over. So if you are just turning up on Pride, that's great, and we, we we love to see you there. But please don't use the word authentic. You're not doing anything authentic mm. for the community. That word, you've got to earn that word. You've got to work for that. That that comes when you're doing something more than showing up on the great day. You know. But yeah. do go to Manchester or London Pride because they are awesome. Obviously, you can tell by my accent, I'm from up north. So Manchester is better <laughs> for me. But London's good. And then New York is just bonkers, massive. But yeah, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. You know, I, I would never yeah. say don't do what it. There will be people that are listening to this and like, yeah, but what about when a company's crap with their employees, but then they change their, their logo? You know, that's what I'm talking about, where they need to. Uh, sort their shit, you know, they're going to sort themselves out. How dare you change it, you know? Yeah. You sort of as well need to make sure that you're looking internally and asking your staff. You don't need to out them. They don't need to educate you. That is not their job. They were employed to do something. That wasn't what you said to them when you were interviewing them. So don't make them add that. That's not their job. But should they want to give you that information, you need to make sure that they think that you're a good company to work for as an LGBTQ plus person or as a black person mm. before you can mm -hmm. start coming after our money. Do you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, the billions that is the black pound, the billions that is the pink pound or the purple pound or whatever names have been given to it. So, yeah, I'm not against people pinkwashing, but I certainly think they need to do more. You know, the day of the passive ally has gone. Now we need advocates. Yeah. Allyship was nice earlier on when this was a delicate subject and we didn't quite know how to tackle it. My God, are we past that now? You know, brothers, sisters of non-binary and transgender people are dying in the streets, whether they're being shot by police or, or whatever. You know, we now need to make society better because there's wars and fires and 
big waves that wash away whole cities. We need to make sure that in between these natural things we can't control, that we look after each other, that we understand each other, that we have empathy and compassion and move the world forward. And we don't just look after our own kids, but we look after each other's kids, not necessarily drop them off at my house because I cannot look after anybody's kids apart from my own. <laughs> Definitely not. I only just got through the looking after mine. But you know what I mean? I mean, metaphorically yeah. looking after, keeping the world here for everybody, making sure that they're understood. And so, yeah, all of that, you can start with, yes, changing your, your logo to a pride flag, but then doing more through the year, remembering and making sure that that is part of the fabric of who you are. And then by all means, mm -hmm. take our money, you know, call yourself a great place to work and let's march together at Pride. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and also, I, I really like what you said about not putting the burden on the people who are or it is that you're trying to work on. Because I saw that after the death of George Floyd. I mean, that was a big thing, like a big catalyst for a lot of yeah. change. But I think it was also very exposing to people about what needed to be changed. And when you had one or two black people in a company, all of a sudden the burden was on them to tell everybody yeah. what to do. And that's not fair, like they're in pain. So you wouldn't go to someone who's in some other kind of pain and tell them to help you, you yeah. would help them, right? As a person who didn't realize how ineffective they were, like I was a very passive ally. Like in a lot of ways, I would say, especially around maybe around race, not so much around around sexuality. And it was like hard too, because you had to look at yourself and say, hey, yeah. I'm not really doing anything. Yeah. Just by not not using certain language that's really bad yeah. is what I thought was being such a good, you know? And so I think it's really great that you're willing to even answer my questions right now about something that, you know, like maybe I should know, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I think it helps to, to do that. And I think people do get fooled by what's going on at companies and think, oh, that company's doing this, but it's also, yeah, like there's one black person working there that actually feels like they're the only black person working there. Yeah. That's not yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, one thing I say as well is that we are, we have to look after, we're, we're asking a lot of people at the moment. Yes, conversations are being had, things that we didn't speak about as a society after the murder of George Floyd, after you know, same-sex rights have been brought forward, but some things have been, you know, like abortion in the U.S. has been repealed and some, you know, things like that. And people are speaking up more, but there is a toll to that. It's heavy. It's heavy on black yeah. men and black women. It's heavy, you know, on non-binary and transgender from the same communities. It's heavy. It's heavy on the LGBTQ plus employees that have to rally everybody and fight for a little bit of money from the company it's heavy because everybody's asking to be educated which is fantastic but it's also it's not anybody's job i know met very few of us you know i can't speak on this because i do essentially i am paid to educate because our company benefits yeah. from being educated within our industry but there are many that are asked to educate and they don't get paid for it they have to go mm -hmm. home, you know, and, and face the same struggles every day when they will leave the house. That, that, as you said yourself, the subtlety of racism in this country, racism in this country is done with a smile and sometimes quite a posh accent. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah. means 
which means it's not actually racism because it's a smile and it's a posh accent, you know, or it's done with a subtlety or because things were always that way. That's the worst yeah. thing that I hear and it, it, it infuriates me. Oh, it's always been like that. Okay. Yeah. Well, we also colonized the world and we gave it back. So maybe we can change other stuff as well. We still got a few more to, to apologize for, I'm sure. But the, the, yeah, I think it's a heavy toll. I, I've had to look after myself recently. I went through, went sure. through periods where I didn't realize that I was becoming not just an ineffective well i wasn't actually a leader because i don't think i could qualify myself as a leader an ineffective boss you know when i should have been mm -hmm. a leader when i should have been there with the empathy and the time for my team but i didn't because i was standing on stages all over the world speaking reliving trauma not knowing that by just talking about it you're taking yourself back there and you're doing that three four times a week and it might yeah. bring new clients to the company but actually What's it doing to yourself? You, you suppress these things. Yes, you were mad and, and then you had an accident in the army and you had to, well, it's not really an accident, I suppose. Bombs going off in the army is actually, wow, that's the one place it's meant to happen. But, you know, being caught up in stuff like that and then telling your, your wife that, or your wife at the time that you think you might be gay or, or bisexual or whatever label anybody wants to put on it, you know, things like that. They just their life and they happened. The fact I was in, I went into different care homes. That happened, but you you don't spend your life talking about it because you, you let it go. You you move on. You live with it. What's happened recently is everybody has been asked to to educate by mm -hmm. telling, and the, the the easiest and the fast and the only way as not a trained educator that you know to do that is to give life stories is to give a piece of yourself to say this is this is my lived experience this is where i've been maybe you can take something from that but by doing that you're taking yourself back there you're you're re-traumatizing yourself every bloody day and then you other things start failing around you and you're not quite as as zen as you were and, and it's really hard it's even hard talking about it now because like you don't even realize how much is being asked so anybody mm -hmm. that's what, listening to this you know just make sure you're looking after yourself because it's great and you know and then i have to caveat that with i keep i said about being an ally and an advocate yes we do need more advocates but i also need anybody that's an ally an advocate or a person that gives themselves like we both do you get yeah. on stage you do in your comedy I do on stage. We just got to make sure we look after ourselves and each other as well, because mm -hmm. the world's asking a lot of all of us at the moment. It's given us viruses that make us not allowed to leave our house, whilst also asking us to educate the world, you know, yeah. whilst asking us to change our ways, whilst asking us to save the world. There's a lot. It's a lot. And it, yeah, yeah. we just got to look after, everybody's got to look after themselves and each other. And we just got to keep going. Yeah, people joke about self-care and things like that, but some of it's just even giving yourself, like Chris, like you're talking about that time to almost like recover from giving those speeches and stuff. And I, I yeah, we had, we both, just so people don't know, I talked about having multiple sclerosis and, and having to be on an account at work that was directly impacting people with MS, but ignoring the whole 
accessibility side of a website for people who would need those features and how that was really annoying, but also talking about it. Yeah. It's not something I do every day. So I had to kind of step away from it because I, I try not to live like with that every day and which is a privilege too, because some people with MS have it very much more present than me where I'll just fall down every couple weeks. And then I'm like, Oh yeah, that's still there. Isn't it? And for you, like continually to tell your story because when we experience the things, like when I experienced my diagnosis and you experienced care homes, completely different things, by the way, but there are our own, yeah, our own yeah, yeah. that we have. There is some kind of thing that happens during that time, whether it's support or whether it's just kind of maybe meeting other people in your situation or whatever it is. But when you're just out there telling your story later on, that's not there. And it's such a fact. And, and then people will maybe apologize to you for it somehow or say there's, you know, I'm sorry you went through that. Or if I talk about certain people like in my life, like other parts that, that died or something like that, then it's like, oh, I'm sorry that happened. It's like, well, that's okay. I've moved on. But then you go, like, oh, and I just talked about it and I'm going to feel that later. Yeah. So you're right. Like you have to give yourself space somewhere to, yeah. to deal with that. Yeah. And the people asking you to talk about it, even me, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, need to know that too and, and make sure that it's for the right reason in a way. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, I've went through a few years. As you, when you build in a company as well, and all of the entrepreneurs that are watching this world, are listening, will know that you have this thing where you don't know when's the next time somebody's going to ask you to do something or if they will ever yeah. ask you again. So, you know, every moment is a chance to talk about your business, talk about what you do, let people know you exist. Maybe they'll buy something. Maybe someone listening to this will... We'll say, oh, brand events, go on our website, come through, come and come and speak to us, you know. So you say yes to a lot of things, and especially me, I'm very yes. I, I want to, you know, I have I have a great privilege at the moment where people want to hear what I've got to say, and I don't want to yeah. deny that because I didn't see anybody doing it as I was growing up or coming up even into the industry there was very few you know people that i could could see that were doing this and i can name them all on 10 hands and you know the privilege of one of them is literally sat in the same room as me now he's the ceo for here and there was there was very few people to look at and to 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 be inspired by and to take something from so whenever anybody asks me to speak whether it's a podcast whether it's on stage wherever it is in the world i end up going because i want to make sure i'm there but yeah the flip side of that is essentially being asked to give a piece, piece of your soul every time you've mm. got to, you know. I don't mean to speak on behalf of you, but yeah, maybe you have similar experiences in, in your comedy, you know, when you're giving, yeah. you're giving a bit of soul to it. And then people, and I don't know if you've ever tried it without giving that piece of soul, but I have, and nobody's bothered. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? They yep. just don't, they don't know, they don't care, it's just, stop speaking at me you give a bit of soul and they're like oh okay i'll come on this journey i'll hear about it you have people in an audience that are really interested because they know somebody from care or their childhood wasn't greatest or they're from a council estate or they're northern or even like the the, the sort of and let me be very blunt the middle-aged white ceos that sat in there that really don't want to give me the time of day but then i get to the army and say that, you know, yeah. I was attached to a special forces unit. And then every guy in the room is sitting up. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I, 
you know, unfortunately, you know, I was in a coma at the end of that and got medically discharged because of what uh. happened. So you've got to give up his soul for that guy to sit up, you know, and another piece yeah. of soul for that lady to sit up. And, and yeah, it's, it's a lot, but if it can change something, if I can leave the world, whether it's this podcast, whether it's a stage thing, I'm sure you're the same. If we can leave people understanding what we went through so that they can understand yeah. other people from similar situations, or they don't even need to understand what I went through. They just need to understand that people are different. We come mm -hmm. from different places. Don't hold us to where we were born. Don't hold us to who we were born to. Don't hold us to the color of our skin unless we want to celebrate it with us. Don't hold me to the person I've fallen in love with unless you want to celebrate that yeah. with us. Don't hold us to the different abilities we might have or the things we're unable to do. Why don't you come and see the things I can do as opposed to, to looking at me for the things I can't do. Hopefully all of this governor makes people think a little bit different. Even if mm. I need more than one of them. I've given 40 years of my life already. He turned 40 this year. My son turned 18 this year. I don't want the world to be the same when he gets to my age now and he's halfway yeah. there you know and I'm probably halfway towards death and I would like it to get a bit better before I'm gone yeah. do you know what I mean and I'd like to yeah. stop going to DEI sessions where all the people in there are all already black or already have a different ability or already LGBT why are all the people you know that have had the privilege not sat in that room you know have you, have you yeah. never noticed that you go to a DEI session no matter yeah. where it is, even in our agencies, not so much in mine because every day is a DEI session. But, <laughs> but you know, you go into agencies and all the people sat in there, all the people that don't need to be there, they're living it. They're being hurt by it. They're, being, they're trying to change yeah. it. The, the room is full of change makers and that's great. But what you actually need is one change maker in a room speaking to the room and everybody else didn't give a shit the day before and they're sat in the room now and they go out and they go and do something to change it. That's what you yeah. need. You know, whether you sat in, on a beach and all of the black and brown and LGBT people are sat in one section of the beach and then all of the CEOs sat in other mm. sections. Of, they need to be bloody sat there. I don't need to speak to other black people about what it's like to be a black person. I need use over there to come over here. That's what I'm hoping that this is doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, just because I even see it where it's just like a lot of <laughs> white people especially will just be like, oh, you have to hear this all the time. What about us? That whole gross, disgusting, you know, yeah. the hashtags of the white lives matter thing yeah. or the no one's listening to my voice. No one's asking me. It's like because your voice is the reason we're here. Like, and they don't have that reflection to know that. Yeah. And it's amazing to me, right? To like not be able to even hear yourself and to hear what you're saying. And it's like, yeah, your life matters. But if you, you're not getting shot. Yeah. Yeah. Or you're not getting treated badly or you're not, not getting into some place or getting looked at in a store. You're not, none of that's happening to you. Yeah. And you're running the company, by the way. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's yeah, wild yeah. to me. So. Exact same thing. I've struggled with it. I, I just, I, and I don't even know what a good answer to it is because it's been said to me a no. few times. Yeah, well, all lives matter. Or, well, white lives matter. I'm like, yes, they do. But you know, if there is a street of houses and one of them is on fire, 
you go and help the house that's on fire. All the houses yeah. on the street matter, but just one needs help, you know? One needs the flames put out. That's what we're doing mm. right now. We're not saying that you don't matter. We're saying we're going to help the one that's on fire, the one that's getting shot, the one that's getting followed, the one that, you know, for the unprivileged of the color of their bloody skin, that just life is different for them. It is harder. For the unprivileged that they have a, a disability born with or come later in life, for that unprivileged, they can't bloody use or get on that train. They can't get up in that door. That bar doesn't even have a ramp, or, you mm. know what I mean? So... We're going to fight that. We're going to fight the inequality of that. We're going to fight the inequality of, of racism. We're going to fight the inequality of transphobia. So I never know what the answer is when people say that, but, well, apart from to punch them in the head, I don't, I don't condone yeah. violence. It doesn't describe it before somebody starts suing me. I yeah. can always take that out if you want no, to. No, I, yeah. I wouldn't even believe <laughs> in. Like, I don't condone violence. But sometimes... You just, I, I, my point here was to emphasize a point of, I just don't know what to say when that's said to me. And, and yeah. I hope anybody that's listening to this that has ever thought it or said it, just don't sit, nobody is saying that all lives don't matter. We're just saying, as you said yourself, that you're already the bloody CEO. You already have the privilege. We're just saying, we, we want to show what we can do. We're not saying we need mm. any charity. We don't need anything handed to us. We've all come through life being told to run faster, to work harder, to learn everything. We don't need any special treatment. I just want in the race. And I want in the race starting on the same start line. Not that start line that is when we both stand there and then you say, take two steps forward if you had a mum and a dad all your life. Take two steps forward if you had access to university. Take two steps forward if you had books in your house. And before you know it, the race is unfair because you're near the finish line and I haven't even started running yet, you know? Mm. So that's what yeah. we're asking for. And all lives matter. Yeah. It's just a silly cop-out, which means you're not going to help. And if you're not going to help, just get out of the way. We don't, you know, yeah. don't waste your energy. Just move aside and let, let people that want to be allies or advocates come through and let us sort it out yeah yeah sorry i got went down a little no. bit of a soapbox there but and you know it, it's a passionate it's, thing I've yeah been. i live with it every day well i mean it just shows you're passionate about about this and then then that's why you have a company that's that's promoting it i do want to ask you though you were in the military for 10 years you did that and maybe just what brought you into that and then what brought you into advertising later because there are a lot of different paths you can take First of all, when you're starting out and then you went in the military and then when you're going out of there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the military, I got into the military because I got into trouble and the care system had to deal with the army that as long as you didn't do something bad, rather than going to a young offenders, you could go and join the army. And that's why. Wow. And I don't really tell many, huh. many people that, but yeah, I was heading towards a remand center and then because I didn't have parents to sit with me at the, at the thing, it was social services, there's a thing called youth justice, and they, they sent somebody, and this youth justice turned up, and I spoke to them for about 10 minutes, and then they were like, I like you, Chris, there's this scheme that's just started, you're gonna get sent down for this, I'd stolen something from a shop, they were like, they're gonna, they're gonna send you to a romance center, a youth romance center, but, Actually, there's a scheme, and you could join the army if you want. But wow. you'll, you have to do a year 
they'll mandate you to do a year, blah, blah, blah. Do you want to do it? And I'll say, yeah, I'll do it. I don't want to get that done. But I wasn't a bad kid. I really wasn't. I just, like, I didn't have anything. <laughs> like, nothing. And shops had everything. And people with parents had everything. And I just wanted something, you know. And I had no other way. Yeah. There was no one to ask. I just did it. I would even honestly say, actually, it's probably the best thing I ever did. For me, yeah. personally, the trajectory it sent me on in my life. Because then I joined the army and I found a family. Like, uh, yeah. I still, uh, still have mates that are my mates for life now. I found a purpose. I've, I've started to learn things like integrity and, and camaraderie and, and honesty. You know, that you can be mm. honest and get through life. And you can have principles and integrity that can be foundations for other things that you do. And so, yeah, it was, it was actually the best thing that ever happened to me. But I did get barred from every Greg's in the country for life, is what I got a letter. <laughs> there was like only six Greg's, and it was one in Sunderland, this road, people that are from up north will know this, there's a road in Sunderland called Leicesterly Street, leading from the hospital, and one of the first Greg's ever was on that road. Me and my mate, we were starving, we were both in care, we couldn't, there was nobody to ask for any money, and we stole a pasty and a bag of crisps and a can of coke. We got all the way home, and then the police come storming into our children's home and arrested us because we'd been followed on cameras going through the street. And then, yeah, they sent me a letter saying, you are barred for life from all the Gregs. I go to all the Gregs all the time. Their, their picture's too old to know who I am, and I was 40, 40 now. <laughs> they, they need to use that machine that makes you, what do they look like now machine? Yeah, yeah. Well, all the AI and stuff, they're banning people from Madison Square Garden now using face recognition. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. 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 But oh. yeah, that's so Greg's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was, I actually got a letter that said you buy from every Greg's in the country. And so, yeah, that, that was, but it, wow. it sent me on a different journey. It put me in the army. The army gave me drive and, you know, I loved the army. I'd still be in it now, probably. It's due to an incident. I'm out. So I have epilepsy now from that incident, oh, wow. a brain injury, you know, and then I got into, somehow got into a bit of presenting, I've always had the gift of the gab, got into a bit of presenting, then formed my first company, which was a production company, presented MTV for two years, I got my own wow. chat show on Sky, you know, all these things that just come from the kid in care that was gobby because you were always put in rooms with other people that you didn't know. So you got used to speaking to people you don't know. Mm -hmm. You got used to shouting if you want something. Well, that just turned into being a TV presenter. Do you know what I mean? Good at yeah. speaking to people, good at holding a conversation, good at negotiating my way. So I'm negotiating my way through the estate every day to not get beat up or to not get in hassle with the drug dealers or whatever turned into yeah. negotiating contracts, negotiating deals as a company, negotiating deals for myself. And now, you know, on behalf of the company, I'm alongside other people. You know, all these things, you think them people over there that are different, you think they're, they're waste, man. You think that they're not going to be able to bring anything to society. All they need is a help in the right direction. All they need is for someone to inspire them, to, to set, you know, to give them the opportunity. And then they can be sat here, you know? Yeah. And it's sort of that fits into what we said at the beginning as well, of seeing people 
seeing people in adverts, seeing Indian people not yeah. just in a corner shop in an advert, but being a doctor, being a nurse, being a lawyer, being a, a business founder, you know what I mean? Seeing them means that you then know, okay, all right. One of the first things I watched on TV was a Channel 4, and it was Queer as Folk the very first time when mm. it came out, you know, the original one. I remember being like, oh my God, there's a whole street where there's people. And I, and I was young, but, and I remember, or oh, young age, I was about 13, 14. I remember thinking, I feel like I have something in common with them. Oh, no, I don't. I can't be. I, know, but I don't want to be. Like, that's two different ages. You're, you're yeah. The place you are, the environment you're in. And I just suppressed it and was, I was, and I was, I, no, don't get me wrong, I was happy with my wife. We had kids, so things worked. You know, it's not like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, it's not like, oh, he was a total gay man just hiding. Well, no, there was fun had. That's how children are made. Yeah. You know, it doesn't just happen. I quite like it, actually, that our conversation has sort of looped back on itself to the reason I'm sat here to speak to you and have this mm. great conversation is that because there were people, if I'd seen more, maybe it's the bad bits, Maybe it's the Gregs and the stuff like that wouldn't have happened because I don't know. And okay, there's something to aim for. Because you sort of just wonder, you know, and especially when socioeconomically you're not, you don't have anything. What do you have? Do you know what I mean? You know, one of the yeah. things I used to do when I was a kid was go into a shop, and this is bad, but go into a shop and with steel, bacon, bacon and razors. And then I would go. Me and my mate used to do it. We used to sell bacon and razors. And then we would go to the pub and we'd sell the bacon and razors because it was the easiest thing to sell to people. People would buy it. Wow. We'd take the money and then go and get shopping, proper shopping, food shopping for his gran because his gran couldn't mm. leave the house. What yeah. people will have seen, and I remember we used to do it, we used to do it about once every two weeks and we'd get a load of shopping and then she'd make us a lovely meal and we I loved her like, as if she was my own gran. And, and he yeah. was in care, but he loved his gran. And if she was well enough, he wouldn't have been in care. He would have lived with her, you know. And she yeah. wasn't far from the children's home we were in at Sublin. Society would just see two kids stealing. That's all society yeah. would see. Two kids from a rough estate stealing. But actually, the end of that is that, you know, we were feeding his gran, a woman that had worked all of her life, but couldn't mm -hmm. afford the care that she needed in her home couldn't afford to get somebody to go and get the shopping for her. So we did it and didn't have enough pension left over to bloody get the shopping. So we used right. to get it for her, you know? Yeah. So hopefully chats like this and adverts that my company make and, you know, brands or businesses getting involved in these stories, getting involved in, in these communities can make it. So when we look at them two kids next time, one, we ask, why are you there? Two, yeah. we say, what can I do to bring you away from there? And three, we don't assume any of it. You mm. know, none of it, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, and just even the person who who did that in a way with you, who was assigned to your case and who said, hey, there's this thing. Yeah. You know, because they could have just not. I mean, those people, and we have in the States, you know, like public defender type of people. Yeah. They could just not. Yeah. Because they'll make the same wage. They'll do whatever. So yeah. that's really something. Looking at the work you do and 
and what you've been involved in. And we talked about needing time for yourself. What do you do outside of work? Cause you're doing stuff in a way in your job that some people do like outside, like yeah. their kind of activism stuff. But what do you do outside of work that brings you joy or maybe fills you? Because I'm sure you have rough days there. Yeah, you know, this is the very sad part of me is I love work so much that I do it. It's part, it's consumed in everything that I do. But I also, I do a lot of mentorship. To me, it's not mentorship. That That's the fancy name for it. But basically, other people, different ages that have got their own businesses or kids that are starting out or trying to do something. Sometimes I'll chuck a bit of my own money. I definitely stick a lot of my own time. You know, I love steak, so it's quite often on a weekday that you'll find me in some nice steakhouse bringing the people that want a little bit of my time. And I'm like, okay, I'll take it for steak. You ask me questions, I will tell you my thoughts. Don't do it just because I said to do it, but use me as a soundboard. I love that, so I do a lot of that. And and then I do a lot of sports. I love sports. And stay, and I stay very fit. And then I just work. I spend time with the family, obviously, that's given, but um, even when I, I would say I travel a lot, I do travel a lot, but I work while I travel it all the yeah. time, it's, it's just my life. Yeah. But, you know, and I know there's lots of people, some great people that tell you about self-care and workers and everything, you know, and stuff like that, and everything they're saying is true, you know, you got your Steve Bartlett's and people like that, they'll say, you know, give you great sound bites about everything's not about work, and I get it, and yeah. I, I admire them for it, and you know, as a fellow northerner, the stuff that's said. But for me, and we, we, we've often crossed each other going on different stages. But for me, I just have to be honest, I really love work. It's, it brings yeah. me joy. So I work far too much. I speak about it too much. I drink. I'm northern. I drink. So I get wasted and have a good time with my friends. <laughs> Do not get me wrong. But I like work. Like... You know, like we went yeah. out because I'm going back to New York tomorrow. We went out last night, we're out till five o'clock. I've been in work all day today, dying. I'm probably useless. But I've been here because I couldn't imagine just sitting at home and not coming in. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it brings me joy, which is what drags my sorry yeah. hungover ass out of bed this morning. Was I didn't want to miss anything. I wanted to be involved. So yeah, that's that's my life. Awesome. That's so cool. I, I mean, I like it. I appreciate it hitting a pub or a club or whatever, too. So I totally get that. So one thing I guess I like to ask every guest is just, do you have any advice or mantra you like to share with people? There's a little bit of an acronym. I love acronyms. Well, yeah, I do. I love them. Because the army gave me lots of acronyms. Advertising gives you loads of acronyms. So I made one up of my own because I was sick of just having to do everyone else's. So it's DMTR. And I think it applies to most things in life, but actually for this this business of, you know, a brand or a company wanting to reach underrepresented groups across race, religion, sexual orientation, different abilities, etc. So it's DMTR. So it's like, do it. So don't wait. Don't wait till it feels like the right time. You can get your house in order whilst you're doing it externally as well, spending in media, changing the people that are in your ads, whatever that might be. So do it mean it train it once you're doing it once you mean it and then train everybody else and then repeat it dmtr and i think you know if everybody does that on things that are new whether it's engaging employees around different abilities and how to make sure that the workplace and they are 
understanding of the different, you know, the different needs of their different work colleagues, whether it's a brand that wants to start advertising to the LGBT community or the black community or the Hispanic American community, whatever it might be. Yeah, do it, mean it, train it and repeat it and you'll do okay from that. Nice, the DM tier. Okay, cool. My last set of questions is the fun five. So it's five questions I ask everybody. The first one, what's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? Oh, the oldest t-shirt is one from when I was 15 years old and it has everyone's signature on it that was, they signed it when I was in school, leaving that school and I still wear it sometimes. That's so cool. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. yeah, and Sharpies, you can't get them out of anything, Yeah, right? exactly, just... and it looks cool, because, like, I've got a really cool pair of D&G trainers that have paint, they look like paint splashed on them, and so this thing is faded, but, like, every time I wear it with them trainers, like, I know this sounds really vain, but people, you know, when you're out, will be like, them sneakers and that top, especially in New York, because everybody just speaks to you about yeah. what you're wearing, don't they? So it's like, them sneakers and that T-shirt are really cool, mate. All right. So, especially during lockdowns, and I don't. Were you in New York or were you in London? During- Mostly in London, and then the tail end in New York. Got it. So you were, yeah, they were both locked down then at, at some level. So it seemed like Groundhog's Day, like the movie, you know, yeah. with Bill Murray. So if it was really Groundhog's Day, what song would you have wake you up every morning? Yeah. So Roxette, spending my time. Love that song. Nice. All right. Cool. <laughs> okay. And I haven't got that answer yet either. I'm getting some repeats now because I have a Spotify playlist. That'll be good. That'll be a good ad. <laughs> All right. Coffee or tea or neither? Neither. Neither. Wow. Even with the even with the hangover. Yeah, no. I don't know if I still am, but I used to be allergic to milk. So, well, I know I'm not because I eat ice cream and rice pudding and lots of stuff with milk. But I still can't bring myself to eat. To have things where milk is directly put into it as part of the process oh. that I do. Does that make sense? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, in my yeah. mind is like, yeah. oh, that's going to make you ill. Just put milk in it. But then put ice cream in front of me where there's no process of milk, but it's just milk. I'm like, give me that. And I don't get it. You got it. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. So it's that. an aversion. But that's good. I don't know. Caffeine's not really great. I'm realizing more and more. So, all right. Can you think of a time that you like laughs already cried or just something that always cracks you up? Like maybe video or your kids or something. Uh, no, sorry, kids. They've not done anything funny. But <laughs> <laughs> my partner, Dean, right? So we've been together 15 years. And one time, well, it was like in our first week of being together and we were eating and we were eating Sunday dinner and I put my fork on the plate and we were at his surrounded by his housemates, right? I put my fork on the plate and all my peas sort of rolled off the plate. <laughs> and, and there was like in slow motion and everybody was looking and these, this pea was rolling across the plate. And I was so embarrassed because you're just trying to make a good impression. And then yeah. Dean, and it still makes me laugh thinking about it, it's so crap, but he was like, oh my God, Chris, you've got an escapee. And I just died. <laughs> I tried not to. And I just died of laughter. And I still laugh at it now. It's, it, yeah, it was, it, that moment was one of the funniest moments of my life. Just because it was so awkward and everybody was looking yeah. at this bloody pee. And I just wanted the ground to swallow me because I looked messy. And then he's like, yeah, look, you've got an escapee. And I was just like that. <laughs> oh, that's what I knew. I was like, okay, dude. Like, I think I can hang around with you for a little while. And, that was 15 yeah. years ago. 
<laughs> Amazing. That's quick wit. I mean, that's fast. That was a really fast one. Yeah, I can appreciate that. <laughs> that's cool. All right. So the last one, who inspires you right now? My son right now. Yeah. He's turning into a, a little man and I like the man he's turning into. There's some things I would change. If you can be a little bit gobby, a bit messy, needs a job. <laughs> Not paying him in a great picture, yeah. But but actually, you know, he's really polite and he's good and he's helpful and he's always looking up, looking out for others. And yeah, I I I am very proud of him. So he inspires me every day. He did work experience with us for a couple of weeks and like I would sneak around a corner and listen because everybody changes when the CEO walks in the room. So I would listen to what he was doing and stuff and. He was just doing stuff and saying stuff that was adult. And I was just like, oh, yeah, yeah. he's learned stuff. You know what I mean? Just absorbed it. So, so yeah, yeah. my son. Keep going, cool. Jerome. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, shout out to Jerome then. Cool. So, Chris, if people want to find you or find your company or whatever, where do you want them to go to follow you? or? Yeah, yeah. They could go on to Christopher Kenner on LinkedIn or Chris.Kenner on Instagram. Or, but, you know, you don't need to follow me. The company's pretty good, though. So check out the company at wearebrandadvance.com and then it'll take you through to the whole, that's the whole network. And then you can see all the different individual companies and the great people here. And yeah, if anybody's wanting to reach different communities or is in advertising or anything like that, then I'd love to speak to them. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much. This has been great. It's so good to get to chat with you. And you. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about the guest and what was talked about in the show notes. Joe Mafia created the music you're listening to. You can find him on Spotify at Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. Rob Metke does all the design, for which I am so grateful. You can find him online by searching Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Please leave a review if you like the show and get in touch if you have feedback or guest ideas. The pod is on all the social channels at at More Than Work Pod or at Robbie Comedy on TikTok And the website is morethanworkpod.com. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.